I'm not gonna debate you, Jerry. I'm not gonna sit here and debate. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Red Glare Podcast. My name is Daniel Fritch. I am your host. It is Sunday, September 11th. We just saw the Houston Texans tie the Indianapolis Colts 20-20 to here in Houston in week one. And your Texans are sitting in first place in the AFC South, as ridiculous as that sounds, with the Tennessee Titans losing to the New York Giants and the Jags losing their contest. We are in first place, tied with the Indianapolis Colts. We love those ties with the Colts. So there's obviously a lot to unpack here. Um, The word of the day, and I looked it up, cowardice, the definition of cowardice. Uh, It's a noun, lack of courage. To face danger, difficulty, opposition, pain, etc. And then the example they give on dictionary.com, sometimes they'll use the word in a sentence. Cowardice is running Rex Burkhead for 2.9 yards a carry, time and time again, in defiance of all logic and reason, as Damian Pierce sits watching on the sidelines. And I I kind of channeled our Florida Gator brethren, right? Because when we talked about Damian Pearson, episode one of the Red Glare, we talked about how he was a Florida Gator. He was explosive. You could tell he was a little more powerful, a little more pep to his step than the other running backs when he was on the field. But the coaching staff wouldn't give him the damn ball. And it was like, well, we won't have that problem here in Houston because we have a we have uh, Pep Hamilton, we have Lovey Smith, we have Nick Casario. These are smart football minds. They're going to give him the ball. And then cowardice reared its ugly head. And the team was like, wait a minute. Pep Hamilton was like, wait a minute. You're telling me I can get three yards a carry? Less than three yards a carry? With Rex Burkhead? Give me some of that. So Rex Burkhead... He also had five receptions in addition to his, um, let's see here. I want to get this right because it's important to be accurate here. Rex Burkhead had 14 carries. Rex Burkhead had five receptions and he had eight targets. So they tried to get him the ball more. They certainly did their best to get the ball to Rex Burkhead. And I was thinking, and I tweeted this um, a few weeks ago, but in life, in relationships, find someone that loves you the way that the Texans organization loves Rex Burkhead. Just find someone just unconditional love, obsession. They love Rex Burkhead. Now, I was recently in the market for a Texans jersey, and it occurs to me, if you're in the same boat, get a Rex Burkhead jersey because that guy's always going to be on the team. He's always going to be relevant on game day. They will never, we will, all of us will long be dead before Rex Burkhead is not just running the ball for 2.9 yards a carry um, for the Houston Texans. Apparently, apparently, because he is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be if you ask the Houston Texans. So that was a, I, I took some notes in this game, and we will get to those, um, I'm sure, over the course of the show. But I just kept writing Burkhead, so much Burkhead. I would write... So, so much Burkhead. Playing not to lose. Burkhead equals playing not to lose. Burkhead, again. And Burkhead seems like a nice guy. I have nothing against him. Um, but we came into this game as underdogs. Eight and a half point underdogs when I bet the game. 
it was over a touchdown. It was a touchdown to, to eight points was the spread. So we were the prohibitive underdogs in this game. And Lovey Smith actually referenced that in the postgame press conference. He said, you know, when talking about taking the tie, like we're underdogs and whatnot. Now, if you are tw- if you're losing the game 20 to three, you're happy to get a tie out of that, right? Like that's a situation where you should lose that game. You're losing 20 to three. And to be up 20 to three and talk about being not as disappointed with the tie as you know you could have been if we got the loss. That's nonsense. Because this team, the Texans team, as we talked about in last week's episode, they were picked to win four and a half games all season long out of 17 games. This team was supposed to be a last place team. That is the expectation around the league. Luffy Smith is an old man. Look at his damn beard. He's not playing for a long career. Like he's in the twilight of his coaching career, not the beginning. So to play for a tie instead of the win, when you could seize momentum, you could seize this season, first place in the division, pop the Colts, our rivals in the mouth and take first place from them and then watch the Jags and the Titans lose because the Jags and the Titans aren't very good. We could have been in lone first place by ourselves. And instead of that, we had a sort of very familiar tale. If you've been a Texans fan as long as I have, or even if you haven't, every coach we've had, every um, general manager we've had, the front office, it, it's always like a gentleman's approach to the game. It's always very much, hey, we'll, we'll try to win, but we're not trying to embarrass anybody and let's all have a good time and let's all get back to the locker room healthy and all this stuff. So when we were up 20 to three, the team that took the 20 to three lead in the game today was not the same team that played with the 20 to three lead. Why not? Why? Why is it never the same? It's like, okay, we got a 20 to three lead. We looked great on both sides of the ball. After a slow start, Jerry Hughes had a monster first half. And we're just going to take the foot off the brakes. We're going to let sexy Rexy Burkhead take us home on this one. And it's like, well, no. What if he doesn't take you home? You know what happens when you play not to lose? Often you lose. I've been, I'm not, I'm I'm not, I don't do this for a living. I don't work for a football team. But I've seen enough football to know Anytime you switch into play not to lose mode, it's not good. It's not good. It doesn't work out well. And it didn't work out well today. And if you're thinking, well, it could have been worse. You know, they could have made that field goal at the end. You're, that's loser talk. And that's like Stockholm syndrome from being a Texans fan so long. It's like, hey, at least we didn't lose. No, no. You go out to win the game. Larry and Stafford had a call on 610. You play the game to win the game. And they made so many decisions uh, at the end of the third quarter, throughout the fourth quarter, in overtime, that we weren't trying to win that game. We were trying to hold on, hold on, hold on, afraid, cowards. And then we were trying to just, literally, we played for the tie at the very end of the game, which is embarrassing. And and is the logic there that, hey, we don't get a loss, so maybe we're going to have the same number of wins as the Titans or the Jags or the Colts. Um, and then that law, that tie will help us make the playoffs. It'll maybe it'll, maybe it'll make us one of the wild card teams. Is that the logic there? Because that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous um, to be thinking like, well, we'll just take the tie. It's a moral victory. There are no moral victories. Um, 
I'm not happy with the tie, obviously. And let's go through it. So, so in today's episode, um, I don't have a guest. You're stuck with me for the whole shebang. And I have a couple segments I want to run out. And then we will take a couple calls at the end of the show, assuming I have the time and the mental uh, acuity to do that. Um, but I wanted to talk about Davis Mills first off. Davis Mills, um, not great. Uh, not horrible. He looked better than, say, the rookies uh, of his class, the Mac Joneses and the Trey Lances's and the Trevor Lawrence's. But not great. Like, he airmailed a lot of passes. He he has very little pocket presence, seemingly. He doesn't sense the pocket collapsing in the ways that, like, a not to compare him to Russell Wilson, but when I think of pocket presence, I think Aaron Rodgers, I think Russell Wilson. I think they have that preternatural sort of, they know when the pocket is collapsing. They know where to move. They know what to do. And Davis Mills is not. You can tell just watching him, he throws a good ball at times. Um, he is a quick release, tight spiral, strong arm. But the pocket presence, good Lord. Uh, I don't know. I, you, we got to see improvement on the pocket presence. And then um, just overall demeanor, I'd like to see a little more emotion, a little more leadership. Um, not just from Davis Mills, but from Lovey Smith, from anyone that's going to be a leader. If it's Rex Burkhead, if, if we have to, well, first of all, we're not going very far if we're riding Rex Burkhead um, all year long. Like, what what, a, what an insult. Like, and the Texans have done this over the course of our, not to go back to Rex Burkhead again, good Lord, but to go back to Rex Burkhead, I feel like we've had a lot of Rex Burkheads in our, in our franchise history, like old running backs where the fans know Rex Burkhead is not going to be our running back in two years. Rex Burkhead is not going to break off a 45-yard run. Rex Burkhead is not going to be the reason you won a game. And fans know that. And so to see him out there when we have a guy with potential, and of course, yeah, Damian Pierce, he tripped on Davis Mills' foot. He uh, didn't do, on one of the plays, his pass protection was not great. But Davis Mills is a rookie. And he's allowed to work through his issues and his problems. And you have to let Damian Pierce have that same leash. You have to. If he's going to be the running back, maybe he won't be. Maybe he just keeps falling over Davis Mills' feet and Damian Pierce is not the guy. But you have to give him a chance to prove that. And like every running back who's ever had any success in the NFL would tell you, you give me more carries, I'm more comfortable in the game. I'm more comfortable in the flow of the game, reading the defensive line, reading the holes, reading the coverages. I'm more comfortable the more I'm on the field. You give me two carries, and then I'm out, and then Rex Burkhead is in, and then the Colts have the ball, and now we're, okay, Rex Burkhead's going to have that. You can't get in a rhythm. You can't get going downhill. So every time you come back out there, you're Damian Pierce, you're like, all right, I got to do everything all at once. I, everything has to happen right now. I have to make it happen right now because Rex Burkhead's right behind me, and I may not. I mean, I may not be be out here again this quarter. And that's a that's stupid for a team that's expected to win four and a half games. That was our over under. Um, give the ball to Damian Pierce for God's sake, for God's sake. So, I'm sorry. This was supposed to be the Davis Mills segment. Um, from a million miles up. You still don't know at the end of this game if Davis Mills is going to be your quarterback uh, next year. And I'm not sure you're much closer to that determination. 
I think one of your goals, if you're a reasonable, realistic Texans fan, is to know at the end of this season, or as this season plays out, is Davis Mills our quarterback going forward? Can we win a championship with Davis Mills as our quarterback? Is he good enough where we can pass on Bryce Young? We can pass on C.J. Stroud. Is he good enough? And a game like today, you, you look at the box score, and if you watch the second and third quarters, you're like, ah, there's a lot here. There's a lot of potential here. He's making the throws. We're rolling. He's looking good. And then you, or you could watch the first two possessions, or you could watch the fourth quarter in overtime, and you say, no, 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 not this guy. He, he's not the guy. Not the guy. And I just don't know. Yeah, a game like today, does it put you closer to C.J. Stroud as your quarterback? For opening day next year, or does it put you closer to another another year, Davis Mills? I'm just not sure. I don't know. I don't have a strong feeling. If if so, if you wanted to tell me Davis Mills is our quarterback opening day next year, I it, it it doesn't elicit a really strong reaction. Like I'm not overjoyed. I'm not infuriated. I'm like ah, okay, Davis Mills, fine. Um, I wanted to roll out a new segment in the show. Uh, today. So this is going to be a segment we're going to hit every week. It's called Rookie Watch. And what I do on Rookie Watch, pretty obvious, we're going to focus on the rookies for a moment. So I have some theme music for Rookie Watch, and we'll hit that here. Five long years he wore this watch. Up his ass. All right, so there's your Rookie Watch theme song. So we are in the Rookie Watch segment, and I wanted to start with Jalen Petrie today because he was everywhere. Now, was he? did he have flawless tackling technique always? Was he always in perfect position? No, but he wasn't shying away from Jonathan Taylor, who was just grinding us up, that offensive line, uh, especially in that fourth quarter. Good Lord. But Jalen Petrie was there in all of these plays, and I couldn't have been more impressed with him just sort of nose for the football, nose for the football, Love to see it. Damian Pierce, we already talked about. I actually really liked what we saw from Damian Pierce. He is a rookie, and he will make mistakes like that tripping over Davis Mills' foot. That's going to happen. But there was a play in the fourth quarter, I want to say, where it was an obvious running situation. We ran it, and he got one yard and made it second and nine. But he, it was such an obvious running play and running situation that the Indianapolis defensive line was in the backfield immediately. They were on to the play, and Pierce saw that, grabbed the ball faster than he normally would have from Davis Mills, and accelerated past the defensive lineman that was in the backfield, and then got us a one-yard gain on a, on a play that if you had a slower running back, like, I don't know, Rex Burkhead, that play would have lost yardage. He would have been stuffed in the backfield, would have made for second and 12 or second and 13 instead of second and nine. And those are the kind of plays that Damian Pierce makes. And everyone in the stadium knew that Damian Pierce was the best running back um, available. And everyone was excited to see him. And the Texans coaching staff decided, not today. We weren't going to do that today. We were going to win this game 20 to 17, and that was the plan. Once we got up 20 to 3, we don't need Damian Pierce to do that. But of course, hopefully, moving forward, they will get this message because this is going to be exclusively the message that the fans are sending. I don't know how receptive Cal McNair is to the fans. Like he's done his Reddit 
appearances and he's, he's got his, uh, pictures of getting his hair cut and at the, the barbershop or whatever, like trying to get people into the team and like, look, I'm like, I'm like into being a, a nice guy or whatever. Um, but he still has Jack Easterby in the building and everyone in Houston disagrees with that. And Damian Pierce was on the sidelines as a 20 to three lead was, uh, erased and so that's on, I don't know who that's on. Is that on Pep Hamilton? Is that on Lovey Smith? Is that on uh, Nick Casario? I don't know who that's on, but it's ultimately to me, it's on Cal McNair. Cal McNair should make it clear in no uncertain terms to his coaching staff, to his front office, that won't happen again. We will sink or swim with Damian Pierce and with our young players. And if there's another Damian Pierce down the road, I want to see him on the field. I don't want to see him on the sideline while we choke away a 20-3 lead. Um, that was Damian Pierce. Uh, Derek Stingley Jr. Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, he had a fine game. I thought he had some good moments. He had some moments where uh, he could have been better. Uh, again, not shying away from contact, which I really like. He was in on a lot of tackles. Um, he was not burned terribly. He didn't look. He wasn't made to look poor on any particular play. Um Overall, I thought a, fa- a fairly good outing for De- as far as from where I was sitting. Now, Kenyon Green, left guard, he came in in the third series. He's our rookie first-round pick. Um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't see Kenyon Green um, a ton myself, personally. Like I knew he was out there, but he didn't jump out of my screen and grab me. So I'll have more, if I rewatch the game, I'll have more to say about Kenyon Green's performance. But here, as I record on Sunday afternoon... Uh, I don't have anything to say about him. So he's a rookie. He's part of the rookie watch. But uh, man, I'm I'm I, I, he just he didn't grab me today. Um, and that'll be rookie watch for for week one. Five long years he wore this watch up his ass. All right. So I thought you know the story of the game would be. Jerry Hughes, the interception, the J.J. Watt-esque interception he had in the first half, that strip sack, which I loved that strip sack so much because often when you're watching a defensive end come screaming at the quarterback, they don't go for the ball, right? They go for the sack, they get the big hit, they do whatever. And often I think, man, that, that quarterback barely saw you or he didn't have time to react or didn't see you at all. Like you had a free shot at the ball and Jerry Hughes was like, I'm going to go for the ball. And I love that. I love to see it. I thought that him and OJ Howard's two touchdowns were going to be the story of the game. Like the old guys, the old veterans coming in, leading our, leading us on both sides of the ball, respectively, making huge game deciding plays. Um, but then Jerry Hughes was fairly quiet in the second half. We couldn't get a ton of pressure uh, with our four man rush. And that shell sort of cover two look that Lovey loves so much, man, that playing not to lose look that Lovey loves so much. Um, and so it was hard not to sort of like, I mean, I read uh, that, let me see, I wrote it down. Jerry Hughes's sack, force fumble, and interception in one half. He did that all in the first half. That was the first time a Texan had ever done that in a half which is wild, and it's only the 11th time an NFL player in NFL history had done that. So that's awesome. Like, he had just an incredible first half, obviously. But 
Like I said, Jonathan Taylor could do whatever he wanted down the stretch, and it felt like we couldn't really stop Matt Ryan. Um, man, once once <laughs> once his receiver got beyond that first line of defense, it's like Matt Ryan figured it out. It's like, oh, they'll always be open 12 yards down the field because that's just the defense that Lovey Smith plays. And it took him a while to figure that out, but once he did, good Lord, um, it was rough. Now, the overtime play calling... And specifically, when we got to second and one towards the end of the game, we threw that incompletion, called timeout, then lined up every single human being in that building knew Rex Burkhead's going to run it up the middle. And then we ran it up the middle with Rex Burkhead, and then we punted to essentially end the game from midfield. Um, That sequence of events is so indicative to me of a team that doesn't have confidence, doesn't have an identity, doesn't doesn't really have swagger like you would want. I mean, how great I mean the 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 storylines coming out of this game if Davis Mills and Damian Pierce led us to a victory even in overtime where at on second and one, on second and one, that stupid incomplete pass that wouldn't have gained us anything anyway if Damian Pierce would have ran that up the middle for 12 yards. I'm just saying, what if, if that had happened and put us in a decisive sort of field goal situation where on second and one, you run the ball, not third and one where everyone knows that's what you're doing when you still have timeouts. It's a totally different story. It's a totally different vibe. It's a totally different feeling. And, you know, Cal McNair's out there doing his Reddit, ask me anything's and doing his photo shoots and, trying to be silly and funny. And the what he's trying to do is upgrade the vibes around the team. You know what would upgrade the vibes more than any Reddit appearance, more than any photo shoot? Giving Damian Pierce the ball and winning that game. Just winning that game, salting that game away, saying we're actually not an eight and a half point underdog to the Indianapolis Colts. We're actually better than them because they can't stop us from running the ball. They can't stop us. They can't eat into our lead because the lead keeps growing. We're not content with 20 points because Damian Pierce is feasting. Kenyon Green is mauling people. That's a lot better than a Reddit ask me anything. Way better. Cal, if you can hear me. Knock it off with the PR stunts and give the ball to Damian Pierce. And it's not even Damian Pierce. Like, let's say Damian Pierce wasn't on the team. Giving the ball to Rex Burkhead over and over, and on that third and one play in overtime. It's a loser call. It's not the look you want for your franchise in a rebuild. It's not the look you want for a franchise that's trying to increase uh, fan interest in the city, in a, in a city where the Astros are chewing up uh, eyeballs and, and the share of fans' attention and affection and money, you want to do anything other than give the ball to Rex Burkhead on third and one for him to crash into you know 50 guys for a loss of two. So there were some great moments in this game that Jerry Hughes pick had me jump off the couch. I love that play. That was awesome. Um, the field goal miss by... That terrible kicker of theirs with the glasses at the end of the game. Um, that was exciting. Like, we, this was a fun game to watch. And that's what makes the, the tie a little more, all the more frustrating. Because 
let's say in an alternate scenario, let's say the Colts came out and scored touchdowns on their first two drives, and it's 14-0 to immediately. Um, and then they go on to win the game, you know, 27-13 to or whatever. There's no, at no point is that game interesting or it, it could be a lot worse, right? Like we could have just come out and, and immediately saw, okay, we're not, we're not very good. We're not as good as the Colts and the Colts are going to win the division and we're going to be a four win team this year again. Um, but we didn't see that. And so when you've established, we are a team that has the capability of taking a 20 to three lead on the presumptive winners of our division, the Indianapolis Colts, when you've shown that you can do that, that's what makes the tie all the more frustrating because you've demonstrated that you can build a lead on this team. You've demonstrated you're not out of their league. You're not. You can do it. Unless you want to give it to Rex Burkett on third and one. Ah, ah, I hate it. I hate it. Let's go to the phones and we'll see uh, if our callers agree with my take here today. Um, I've got a caller here in Houston. Go ahead. Well, hello, Daniel. Now, I agree with your analysis, although it is uh, a little bit lacking in terms of you you haven't brought up Vince Young one time. Um, And I'll tell you, I I called in, and I'm not the I told you so type, but I did call in last week, and I told you David Mills is not a winner. And uh, sure enough, it was an opportunity to win this game. He couldn't do it. But, Daniel, I'm going to cut David Mills some slack. And, and the reason I will, I'm going to tell you, it's because somebody decided they were going to wear their battle white jerseys today. The Liberty White. Yeah, the, they, they wore the battle whites. And you know what team normally wears battle white? The Indianapolis Colts wear battle white. And I think David Mills was watching tape. And then as the game goes on, he's getting tired. And then he's looking out there and he's like, is that a... Is that a is that a Texan in, in Battle White or is that a uh, Indianapolis Colt? Ah, I just got to throw it out of bounds. And so I understand he was confused by the Battle Whites. And so, I, you know, Daniel, in, in my life, I've walked into a sliding glass door on more than one occasion because I thought it was open. And I would uh, break my nose. I'd split my lip. I hurt my knee real good one time. And it's essentially the same thing. Davis Mills was just walking into the sliding glass door of the Indianapolis Colts defense. And a lot of that isn't his fault. He didn't choose to wear the Battle Whites. And so, of course, Vince Young wouldn't have made that mistake, but I can't put it all at the hands of, at the feet of David Mills. Uh, so I'll hang up and listen. Well, thank you. I, I, it's impossible to know how much the Liberty White jerseys played a role in the tie today. But, um... Hey, it's an interesting take, and, and again, I appreciate the call for sure. I appreciate you listening. Appreciate the call. I think we have time for one more caller today, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, I've got another someone else here in Houston. Yes, hello. You know, I really appreciate your your episode today. You know, you talked a lot about uh, Damian Pierce and how we didn't give him the ball, and um, but you didn't. Uh, spend a lot of time on Jack Easterby and I really appreciate that. It's just such a positive show and it's so enjoyable to listen to. Um, and I wanted to say I did tune in to the Jacksonville Jaguars game today and it, uh, they did not come away with the W. So from where I'm sitting, the Houston Texans since Jack Easterby took over, Jack Easterby's Houston Texans still eight wins, 
Jacksonville Jaguars over that same time frame? Four wins. Jack Easterby, you can set your watch to it. We are dominating. We are dominating the Jacksonville Jaguars, our hated Ralphs. Now, when you start talking about Mount Rushmore's of Houston sports, you get into your Jeff Bagwells and you get into your Hakeem Olajuwon's and you get into your Earl Campbell's. But I think you got to start getting into your Jack Easterbys. I really do think that. Eight wins to four. Eight wins to four. See you next week. All right. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Jack Easterby's Texans still dominating. Eight wins to four over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, that's it for this week's episode. I really appreciate you tuning in. As always, please follow me on Twitter at RedGlarePod. Um, subscribe on Substack, redglare.substack.com, because that gives me a, a way to reach you. You get an email when I put out a new episode, but also if I have anything else I want to email out to you guys, I can do that if you subscribe at Substack. And like I said before, if you if you know anyone that you think might enjoy this show, please share it. And if you have any tips for me, any feedback, you can reach me at Twitter, you can reach me at Substack. I'm very easy to find. You know, today my kids watched the Texans with me and they got to watch a grown man complain about Rex Burkhead for three hours. So God bless them. Love my kids. They're, they're uh, saints and my wife um, for going through that. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you listening to the show. So we'll be back soon. We've got the Denver Broncos next week, and uh, hopefully Damian Pierce will get some carries in that game. But anyway, I hope this podcast finds you well, and I hope you have a good week, and take care of yourself. And also, just one one last thing. I'm going to let my friends from uh, UB40 and Chevelle play me out this week instead of our standard outro music. We're going to have a new a new outro song this week. I hope you'll enjoy. Take care. Adios. Thank you.